are moving through the book of Job here. Uh, this week and next week is what we have left in this series. And uh, it's it's been kind of eye-opening. It's been uh, kind of raw and real, uh, just like kind of life is. Uh, you know, suffering and difficulty and asking questions of God, like, why is this happening or why is ha- has that happened? And um, again, just very real and raw. And um, so before we get into that, let's, let's just go to the Lord. Let's ask for his, his help. <clears throat> Father in heaven, we are so thankful to be able to be together this morning. Um, just to be able to worship and gather in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so we pray, Father, this morning, that you would not only inform our minds, you would change our hearts, Lord, and that that change of heart that we might need in some area, some truth about you or something you're calling us to obedience to would result in our hands and feet moving into action. And Lord, we just pray also we lift up our brothers and sisters, our friends and family who are hurting right now. Maybe they need your physical healing touch. We pray on their behalf, Lord, we pray that you would heal them, you would relieve them of their pain, of their disease, whatever it might be, and uh, even that you might sustain them if you choose not to. You would sustain them through it. And uh, Lord, help us to know how we might encourage one another. We might um, uh, strengthen one another's hands for battle, spiritual battle that we face every day. Um, The enemy constantly telling us that we're no good or that you might as well throw in the towel because of your failures. And and thank you that that we have a gracious and good God who has demonstrated his love through Jesus. And uh, by Jesus offering himself uh, on the cross, he died for our sins and he showed us by that act of love, that we have a loving God in heaven who will go to great lengths to save us, um, to redeem us, uh, and to um, help us to just come into a relationship with him. So, Lord, we thank you for, for Jesus. We thank you for your goodness. And we just pray right now, I pray that you'd fill me with your spirit. I pray that every one of us that's here, you would just uh, quicken our hearts in a spiritual way to hear what you have to say. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So um, today what we're doing is we're going to be covering uh, some verses. We're not going to read the entire sections, but I have little chunks uh, of of Scripture we're going to look at uh, here that uh, really reveal to us uh, God's going to show to Job and and to us, as a result, his power and justice, that he has the power to be in control of all the things that are happening in our lives, and that he does, he is a just God, even though it may not look like he's executing justice now, Uh, but he has, uh, he's working all things together for good to those who love God and are calling called according to his purpose, and we need to hang on to that truth, okay? Now, last Sunday, um, God spoke for the first time in the book of Job, 
And his main message to Job was, um, I'm wiser than you. He took him on a, a whirlwind tour as he described to him his creation and how amazing it was. And, and just the, the, and he asked him all kinds of questions which he would have no way of answering them because he's not that wise. And he kind of brought him to the end of himself. And you know how, you remember how we left Job? Shut up. That's how he said it. Basically, he was like, I, I'm, I talk too much already. You know, and he was kind of very humbled, very humbled. Uh, and so, um, and of course, you know, God is, he, he's, he's, um, he's not being mean by doing this. He's, he's the most loving thing he could do is to show him who he really is so he could keep things in proper perspective, right? And um, now, uh, today, uh, we're going to get a look at God's power in some interesting passages we've got today. Uh, the first thing is that in this passage that we're going to look at is that God's going to have, he has a charge to Job. He's got a, he's got like, I've got a challenge for you. Listen to what it is. Um, it's, it's really interesting. So it's in uh, chapter 40, verse 6. I'll just read it for you. It says, then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. You remember, this is kind of how he did his first speech. He says, from the whirlwind. Brace yourself like a man, because I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. Again, it's kind of the same lead-in that God had before. Now, though, he says, will you discredit my justice and condemn me just to prove you are right? Are you as strong as God? Can you thunder with a voice like his? All right, put on your glory and splendor and your honor and your majesty. Give vent to your anger. Let it overflow against the proud. Humiliate the proud with a glance. Walk on the wicked where they stand. Bury them in the dust. Imprison them in the world of the dead. Then even I would praise you for your own strength would save you. Yeah, that is a tone of sarcasm that God is having with him. Basically, he's saying, Job, you're questioning the way I'm running my world. Why don't you have a go at it? And of course, he knows he can't. He, but, but God is saying, listen, you're challenging me that I've been unjust to you. And you don't even know what you're talking about. You, you couldn't even you know, last a second in trying to govern the world. Right? And this kind of reminds you of the movie. What was it, Jim Carrey? What was the name of that movie? Yeah, Bruce Almighty, where he's like, I can run it better than he can. Nah, can't. Right? Of course, this is real. <laughs> this is not a movie. Right? He's like, you know, so, so God is basically saying to Job, you know, you think you can do it better. Have at it. Um, I'd love to see you judge the proud the way they need to be judged. I'd love to see you govern the world. And he's just kind of, you know, he needs to kind of put him in his place. He needs to see that, he, you know, Job has charged God with him being unjust towards him in the suffering he's experienced. And God's like, you don't even know. Um, you wouldn't have a chance at running this world. And so he, he has a charge against him. Um, now, now, then we go into the classroom with God. Okay, God's the best teacher ever, okay? And he's got some object lessons for Job right now. And he's going to use uh, what I guess I'll call 
um, two uncontrollable beasts, two uncontrollable creatures, to illustrate for him that, uh, you know, put to put things in proper perspective where God is in the hierarchy of his life. Uh, and that he has also has the power to work all these things for his purposes. Okay? So, I, I did ask you guys to do a little bit of homework last week. They might do it. Okay, a few people raised their hands. Okay, uh, you know, and so I asked you to look, try to do some study on what is the behemoth and what is Leviathan. Okay, because the first uh, uh, instruction here, uh, or the first lesson, I will say, will be about this creature who is called behemoth. Behemoth, right? Um, and so, you know, the only time I think I probably ever used that word is just to talk about something that's huge. Okay, I mean, I don't even know when the last time I would have used it, but it would have been to say something was big, right? Okay, so um, let's take a look here at the behemoth, and just looking at some verses, verse um, verses fifteen to nineteen in chapter forty, he says, "Take a look at behemoth, which I made, just as I made you. It eats grass like an ox." Oh, let me just make a comment here. Okay, so did God make behemoth? How do we know? It says it. Okay, good to know that we're all relying on the Bible, right? Okay, so yeah, it says it. So I'm thinking it's actually a created being, okay? Um, Now, could it have a larger application in terms of symbolism, something? Yeah, it could. But I'm just saying this being... This creature, this beast that we're about to hear about, actually existed. Okay? And so then it goes on here. It says, see its powerful loins and the muscles of its belly. All right? And then he says, its tail is as strong as a cedar. The sinews of its thighs are knit together, or tightly together. Its bones are tubes of bronze. Its limbs are bars of iron. So it's just, it's a strong, beastly thing. Right? Uh, it's a prime example of God's handiwork here as in verse 19, and only its creator can threaten it. That's an important verse there. Because we get, an, we get an idea about why is God continuing on, in this case about some incredible creature, powerful creature, and he gives us a glimpse here in verse 19. He said it's a prime example of God's handiwork. Only its creator can threaten it. In other words, this behemoth, this creature, is not afraid of anybody, but God can control it. Okay? Only its creator can threaten it. That's important. You know, no one can stand up against the behemoth, right? But God uh, can stand against it. Okay, now, um, as we... Take a look here. Um, let me get to that place actually in my Bible. Um, in verse 23, let's go to that. It's not, it says, it, still talking about behemoth, it is not disturbed by the raging river, not concerned when the swelling Jordan rushes around it. Um, and then it says, no one can catch it off guard or put a ring in its nose and lead it away. It's like nobody can catch this thing. Right? It's powerful. And so he, he's just talking about this incredible beast called B- 
behemoth. All right? Now, uh, when you read some commentators, they think, oh, well, this is just a, a mythological creature. But again, I kind of go back to that one verse that says that God created him. So I'm like, pretty sure he created him, you know. Uh, and and now, now the thing is, is that what we wrestle with is when you go through the description of behemoth and also Leviathan, you, you're hard-pressed to find a creature that exists like that today. Um, some people have likened it to a hippopotamus, okay? And But, you know, you can catch a hippopotamus, okay? Yeah, and so I'm just thinking it, maybe, okay, conjecture here, but I think logical, is that this being doesn't exist anymore. It's extinct, okay? Some people say, well, maybe it was a dinosaur of the type. Could be, all right? So uh, we can quibble over the particulars, but it was a created being, and no man could tame it. That's the point. But God can. That's the point. Okay? But God can. Um, so, um, so anyway, I, I think it's a real creature. I think that it's extinct now because we really can't find anything like it, and I think a hippopotamus is frankly just too small. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, but but again, we got to realize that that verse 19 gives us a clue um, that God made it and he reigns over it, okay? Some being that you could think that would just, you know, wreaks chaos wherever it is, wreaks havoc and chaos, God's like, I control it, okay? Now, we move on uh, to Leviathan, all right, and that should say B, not A. Um, but anyway, Leviathan. Now, uh, let's take a look at some verses regarding Leviathan here. Now, the entire chapter 41 is all about Leviathan, okay? Um, and, and so let's, we'll just read the first 11 verses here in 41. It says, can you catch Leviathan with a hook or put a noose around its jaw? Can you tie it with the rope through the nose or pierce its jaw with a spike? Will it beg you for mercy or implore you for pity? Will it agree to work for you, to be your slave for life? Can you make it a pet like a bird or give it to your little girls to play with? Will merchants try to buy to buy it, to sell it to their, in their shops? Will its hide be hurt by spears or its head by a harpoon? The answer is no. <laughs> These are like rhetorical questions. Now, no, note all that. But you can't. You can't fish for it. Right? In the descriptions we get, it seems like the behemoth was more primarily on the land, and now we've got some kind of a sea monster, basically, a sea beast. Okay? Um, and so uh, then he goes on here. He says, If you lay a hand on it, you will certainly remember the battle that follows. And you won't try that again. I, I love how the New Living Translation says this here. He's just like, you, you know, you, well, probably like you're not going to survive, but if you do, you'll never forget it, right? Um, he says, no, it's useless to try to capture it. The hunter who attempts it will be knocked down. And since no one dares to disturb it, who then, listen, who then can stand up to me? See that transition there? Guy's like, Nobody's going to challenge Leviathan, and I made him. Who's going to stand up to me? Like, God's at the top of the chain. 
And he's just trying to tell them by, you know, just a great illustration here of this Leviathan. Now, um, you know, it just goes on to describe this Leviathan. I, I don't have the verses up here, but uh, let me just uh, tell you some of them. It says, um, verse 12, I want to emphasize Leviathan's limbs, God says, and its enormous strength and graceful form. Who can strip off its hide? Who can penetrate its double-layered armor? I mean, you, can you just, it's like a dragon-like thing is the way, is the image I get. And it says, the scale on its back are like rows of shields tightly sealed together. They are so close together that no air can be between them. <laughs> Verse 18, I love this. When it sneezes, it flashes light. Its eyes are like red, the red of dawn. Lightning leaps from its mouth. Flames of fire flash out. Okay, now we got fire breathing, right? Just, I mean, it's just amazing, right? Now, um, we, I mean, we could go on. He says in verse 20, smoke streams from its nostrils like steam from a pot heated over burning rushes. Okay? Um, and then down in verse 34, the last verse of that chapter 41, he says, of all the creatures, it is the proudest. It is the king of beasts. Um, and so he... Now, I know that some people think this Leviathan is really is really is a mythological character or something. They think that, you know, a lot of pagan religions also have um, a Leviathan-type creature, and they think, oh, well, maybe just, a, you know, that uh, the writer of Job just kind of borrowed that concept. Um, I don't think he did, uh, and here's why. Um, uh, again, this is my opinion. I'm not going to go to the cross for this one, Okay. But, uh, but, but just looking at Psalm 104, oh, I guess we'll go finish up with verse 11. Who has given me anything that I need to pay back? So this is God speaking. Who has given me anything that I need to pay them back? In other words, you know, you know, we, you know, God doesn't owe us anything. We owe him everything. That's the point. Uh, again, we kind of, you kind of wonder, well, why is he bringing this up? Well, he, he lets us in on it. He tells us right here, right? Okay, now, Psalm 104, right? Psalm 104, verse 25 and 26. Here is the sea, the psalmist says, great and wide, which teems with creatures innumerable, living things both small and great. There go the ships. Of course, the ships are going to be out on the sea, right? And Leviathan, which you form to play in it. It's like the sea is the playpen for Leviathan, right? And so again, I have no reason to believe that's not a real creature. There's no hint in the text there in the Psalms that we're now all going symbolic. Now, I do understand that there are other places in Scripture, in Isaiah, where that Leviathan figure is referring to uh, Satan. Okay, so I'm not going to, you know, but it doesn't mean that that's what it has to mean here. Okay, I'm just saying, um, usually we have context clues that tell us that we're going symbolic now or not, you know? Um, now, that being said, these are terrible, terrifying beasts, right? Um, and uh, we typically associate these fire-breathing dragons with just evil, you know? Um, but, but at any rate, 
I think that we have some clues here in other places in the scriptures that Leviathan doesn't have to be some mythological creature, but a, a real creature. And, and again, even if you want to go that route of, okay, even if it was a real thing, I think it's really symbolizing evil and that God has control of that. Okay. That is true. We, we know that from Job 1 and 2, right? Satan's on a leash. We mentioned that. Um, but, but again, the what is the point? God tells us the point there, right back in verses ten and eleven. So, since no one can dares disturb Leviathan, who can stand up to God? Who has any, given God anything that He needs to pay them back? Right? And so, God is just using these creatures to show He made these powerful beasts. And he is in control of them. They might create chaos, um, you know, and, and, but yet he's in control of them. All right, now, so after this, uh, Job has a confession to make, all right? And as you could imagine, you know, if he knew what these creatures were like and God's hammering home his object lesson, right, uh, then Job has some things to say now in response to what God says. Let's take a look here. Now we're in, well, we're in chapter 42, the last chapter of Job. Job 42, and let's look at the, ver- the first six verses here. Um, and so it says, the, then Job replied to the Lord. So now these are going to be the last words we hear from Job. Okay, it says, then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. You asked, so now he's going to quote God, you asked, who is this that questions my wisdom and with such ignorance? Job says, guilty, it is I. And I was talking about things I knew nothing about, things far too wonderful for me. Verse 4, you said, listen, and I will speak. And I have some questions for you, and you must answer. Again, he's quoting God. Verse 5, I had only heard about you before. But now I have seen you with my own eyes. This is important. We'll talk about this in a minute. But he's saying, I have only heard about you before, but now I've seen you with my own eyes. In the last verse 6 here that we're talking about today, I take back everything I said. I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. So he repents now. Now remember, it wasn't his own sin that brought him this suffering. We saw that in chapters 1 and 2. It wasn't that he was bearing some kind of discipline from God, and that's why he lost all these things and was, was now physically um, diseased because of that. No, we knew that wasn't. But in the process of all that, he has sinned against God. He's charged him with being unjust. And so at some point, his questions got turned to sin. Okay, But God's gracious. He's given him these... He's showing his grace by giving him these object lessons and taking him to class about God, okay? So we have a gracious God here showing his mercy, and as a result, um, he repents. So there's really three things I want to look at there uh, in Job's confession. The first thing is that Job uh, confesses God is absolutely sovereign. He's absolutely in control. In verse 2, Here's what he said, if you remember. I know that you can do anything. Aren't you glad that we 
We serve a God where all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. Don't count anything out. Okay? We put our hope in Him. He's the only one worthy of all of our hope and worship. Right? He's the Lord God Almighty. But Job makes a confession. Uh, he says, I know. He confesses that you can do anything and no one can stop you. In the, in the ESV, I like how it says, says, no one can thwart the purposes of God. I love that. Because that just reminds me, nothing slips past God. Everything that's going on in my life, even the, pe- the, the things that people do that are bad to me. And it's not that God wills that we people do bad things to us, but he's in control of all of that. And nothing can thwart his purposes. I just, we got to hang our hat on that as we go through life and as we encounter all kinds of suffering and difficulty. And I know many people in this room, sitting in this small church room right here, um, are, are just, have gone through a many, many painful, difficult things and loss and grief. But make no mistake, God is. His purposes are in it, even though we don't understand why. Right? And isn't that one of our big takeaways from the book of Job? Even though we, God never told him why. God never told, this is why you're going through this. No, he did not answer that question. He just said, you're going to have to trust me. That I'm large and in charge and I, all my purposes will go forth and nothing will, nothing will thwart them. Okay, so we need to praise God for that. Okay, these are not random things going on in our lives. Okay? Um, now, secondly, in this confession, Job confesses God's wisdom makes Job's wisdom look like ignorance. Okay, we kind of knew that, and God kind of put that on display last week as we looked at God's first speech. But in verse 3, um, I'll just remind you what he said in verse 3. It says, you asked... Now he's quoting God. Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? Guilty. He says, it is I, and I was talking about things I knew nothing about. Hey, that's humility, man. That's like him saying, I got it. Praise the Lord. I know. I got it. He's just like, oh. Um, And it says, these are things too wonderful for me. My little brain, as, as maybe as... Wonderful as we think we are in thinking things out and trying to figure things out, they can't figure out everything. Right? And God has gotten through to him, and he wants to get through to us. You know, there are just things too wonderful for us to know. Okay? And things that are going on. Again, the, the trials, and, or excuse me, the tests of faith that we encounter that we can't explain or try to find a reason for, give it up to God. Right? Give it up to God and realize right, that He is the one there that, you know, that these things are, we don't know anything about what God's doing. Sometimes we have a clue. Sometimes He clues us in. Those are wonderful times. But many times we don't. And we just kind of, you kind of have to leave it at the altar. You got to like leave it at the cross up there. Say, okay, God, you know my pain. You know everything I'm going through. And, we, you know, we have this wrestling match with God, which is good, right? Job's had his wrestling. He's lost. 
Okay, and thank goodness, right? Because the alternative would be to chuck God and move on, right? For him to, to, to go, just go live his life in disbelief. But praise God, he hasn't done that. And, and we hope and pray that we don't do that, that we hang on and leave these things that we can't explain at the altar and trust God, okay? This is really what uh, Job has come to. And, and we just see this wonderful repentance happening, right? Um, and so, uh, it, now in verse, uh, there's, there's something like this that the psalmist says in, um, boy, I can see here, what am I doing? <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, yeah, that's, that's the verse there that, oh, oh okay. Oh, yeah, this is Psalm 131. Sorry, I knew I, knew I wanted to go there. Psalm 131, verse, verse 10 here, it says, uh, and this is the psalmist saying a similar thing. He's, uh, he's saying a similar thing that Job said. He says, Lord, my heart is not lifted up, meaning it's not proud. My eyes are not raised too high. Again, he's, he's like, you know, you think of somebody uh, in certain cultures looking down as kind of like a, a, a symbol of humility, right, an honor. And so, so uh, he says, Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. And, and this, is not, this is not like an anti-intellectual statement. He's just saying, you know, it, certainly God wants us to use our brain to figure out the things he has given us, right? But there are things we're just not going to be able to have answers for. And, and the psalmist is just laying it at the Lord's feet. Right? Um, and, and we just have to, uh, we have to relent <laughs> and release it, okay? And that's, I think, the word there from that second confession. Now, the last thing, um, and, and, and by the way, just, just a, a comment on this, this point B here about Job's wisdom like looking like stupidity compared to God's, is that basically Job's saying, you know, I was wrong. I'm no longer demanding any answers. Um, now, this last point, Job confesses and repents of his sin of claiming God has been unjust. Right? When you look at verse 5 and 6, he says, I had only heard about you before, and, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. I take back everything I said. I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. You know, culturally, that was how, how you showed your, not only your grief, but also a sign of repentance, sitting in dust and ashes. But, but this idea that... Um, what he says, he says, I have, I, have, I have heard about you before. In other words, I took a class on you once. I heard somebody talk about you, God. I read a book. Now I have experienced you in my suffering. And now I know. I know you better. That's what happens when we live under the rule of God. And we encounter suffering, and we don't know the whys, we don't know the answers to the whys, and we leave it to him, and we cling to him, and we wrestle through it, and we come through the other side, and you're going to know God so much better than you ever did before you entered that. Ask anybody who's been through suffering and knows God. They know him better than they ever could have without it. And I really think that's what he's saying here. I... You know, 
I can read all the books, and that's good. I can learn all the theology, and that's great. And I can systematize it and biblicize it or whatever you want to say. But he's like, there's nothing like walking through life with God in the good times and in the bad, in, in the heights of the heights, of the, the mountaintops of spiritual experiences, and the valleys, right? That's how we know him better. That's how we know him more intimately is through those, those tests of faith, as hard as they are. Job's been changed. There's no question. You, you see the Job in the middle of the book, and, and, and it wasn't, Job was a godly man. We saw that at the beginning. It wasn't like, you know, he was some just, you know, um, half-baked believer. I mean, he was, he was committed to God, right? Had a sensitive conscience. We saw that. Um, but, but he's a changed man. And, you know, when you encounter God in your suffering, and he blesses you with his mercy and grace and sustaining uh, power as you at many times don't get any answers to your questions, but you know he's with you. What happens is he change, you're, you're a changed person. You're more, you know, he, he, isn't, isn't, that, isn't that really the goal of the Christian life as we're becoming more like Jesus? In our character, right? We know that Philippians one six, right? Where he's got us on this trajectory, and the the target is Christ likeness. And at times along the way, the only way to get through the curriculum that God has for you, for you, is to take you through the valley. That's the only way. And that's what he does. And he does it because he loves us because he's got, he wants us to know him. Yeah, we know we live in a world that's fallen. Sin has affected everything. And, you know, a lot of our sufferings because we live in the fallen world and we're reminded of it every day. Right? So, but, but we know as believers, there will be, will be one day Right where there will be no more suffering, where there will be no more tears. Right? Are you looking forward to that? <laughs> Always sunny in seventy, I think. Just, just an opinion. Don't have a verse. I think it's like you know. Anyway, but you know that's that's um. So at times when we we in, encounter the tough stuff, it reminds us that there's something. Better to look forward to. As a believer, if you know Christ is Savior, you have everything to look forward to. And our joy does not come from this world as believers. It's easy to forget that. But our joy comes from the Lord and what He has for us. Right? Beyond this world, Things we cannot even dream of, right? He has prepared for his people. So, last words from Job. And I'm so, it's like I want to clap for Job, you know. <laughs> Praise the Lord. He helped you through, man. And we watched it and we're like, oh. And you could just, if you've been through some great suffering, you could just, you could, you could ask the same questions. And probably have, right? 
And again, this, this book is a gift to us to help us to know how to suffer, right? And to, to identify with someone who has been through the ringer, right? But we're not done yet. Next week, we've got an interesting turnaround happening, all right? Um, so I hope you can be back with us. But let's go to the God and pray right now. <clears throat> Father in heaven, so encouraging to see your patience with Job. I mean, Job, he's noted for the patience of Job, right? But God, you showed your patience towards him. You showed your grace towards him. And thank you, God, that that, uh, you're, you're gracious and patient with us as we at times, like Job, have kind of set ourselves up and saying, God, I could do it better. I really don't like how things are working out right now, and I just know, I think you're falling asleep at the wheel. And we, we confess that at times, whether we may not have said those words, but in our hearts we may have felt that. And Lord, we confess, no one can thwart your plans, your purposes, as we declare it. No one can thwart your purposes. You can do anything. And uh, no one, uh, oh, you don't owe us anything, but we owe you everything. And so, Lord, help us to, um, when we go through suffering, whether it be something we're in the middle of right now or whether it's something we encounter in the future, help us to cling to you, learning what Job learned experientially. And also, God, help us to know this truth that there are some things we're not going to know about you until we experience them. Until we go through things where we know you more in a way that can't be learned in the book or mere intellectual understanding cannot get. Father, I pray that you would just pour out a special sustaining power and grace for anyone right now who's really going through the ringer, who's really really having a hard time, really having a test of faith, Lord, and um, help them to know you as the God who's all-wise and the God who's all-powerful and who controls what seems like the chaos. And you even have evil on a leash. So Lord, we trust you. We're so thankful that we no longer have to ask the questions, but we can eventually just leave them at your feet. Lord, make us more like Jesus as we go through those times. Help us to know that you have a purpose in the pain. You never waste May you be glorified in our suffering. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.